0: Hello and welcome. I am Justin Lamb and this is Friend Request, the podcast where I have an in-depth interview with one of my Facebook friends. Uh, this is the first episode. I'm very excited about it. Uh, this person I worked with, uh, you'll hear in the beginning a little bit, at a restaurant. And you know, so many friends you have on Facebook are, are that. You know, they're former co-workers or current co-workers and you don't really know much about them. But you guys are friends on Facebook. And this is the Perfect example of what this podcast is and what it's turned out to be—the uh, stories that she has, and and the way that those stories can help other people, including myself. Uh, you're going to hear about addiction. You're going to hear about uh, family dynamics and just crazy stories. Um, and then we even touch on uh, religion, which, if you know me, I'm not a religious person, uh, but I, I think it's important to have an open mind when you have conversations with people and. So I got to hear um, this person's experience, which was phenomenal uh, and remarkable on, on, on how she came to find uh, her own religion and what that has done to her. So this is Becca. I hope you enjoy it. Such a fun interview. Uh, stick around afterwards and we'll go over a couple more things.
1: opened longhorn when i was 19
0: so we opened it together
1: okay yeah
0: okay because yeah, yeah the, well that's when i came back from la
1: did you come back to longhorn
0: yeah and that's when i started dating erica oh, that's okay. why i was like so i heard about i've heard about
1: erica <laughs> then i don't I don't think i met her <laughs> but, but i've i we talked about her
0: because i don't know were you there when i came back yeah okay
1: yeah. i
0: that whole time period is very blurry for me <laughs> yeah
1: i left longhorn when i was 12 23, I think. Well, I just moved to Grand Rapids.
0: So, that was a whole other thing. I was like, I think she's from the west side of the state. Well, you're not even from Michigan, right?
1: No, Arizona.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fucked it all. Screwed, <laughs> screwed it all up. Well, thank you for doing this. My <laughs> this, pleasure. This awkward podcast I've created. Uh, it's, it's Why is it awkward? I don't know. It's I like the idea of it. Because I... I I want to, like I said, inspire people to talk more and then also hopefully help people with certain issues that other people might talk about. So I guess let's start at the beginning. Oh, yeah. You were born. I was. A, I was <laughs> Are a you an only child? No. Okay. How many siblings? How many I have siblings? two
1: younger sisters.
0: Two younger. So you're the oldest? Yep. And you, do you want to go into age?
1: <laughs> sure. Um, my middle sister, it, we're the same age for 12 days
0: oh yeah wait. so we're
1: less than a year apart
0: okay i had to do that math and i didn't do it right in my head and i was like so you yeah. were twins and it didn't they work call out, us no. <laughs> they
1: call us irish twins yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah I didn't Catholics. wait the uh, yeah. six weeks i guess <laughs> um and then my youngest sister she is four years younger than me so three okay. years younger than my middle sister okay so so you're closer with
0: the one that's closer to you in age or is it no all three we'll, of us we'll are really really close so
1: no it's fine um she does my my youngest sister actually lives closer to me and then my middle sister lives uh in Virginia so it's right. just harder to spend time she she might come up once a year, twice a year we might right. see each other but um we're on the phone constantly texting constantly. We've been super close since we were little. I mean the childhood that we had kind of forced us to be as close as we are, but then kind of losing both of our parents is like, you, you lean on the people that know you the best and we know each other better than anything.
0: So I'm going to jump to your parents since you, since you said the P word, um, both of them from Arizona or were you guys just there when you, my
1: dad was born in Texas, but migrated literally, he's Mexican, migrated. (laughs) <laughs> um All my dad's side of the family lives in Arizona, and then all my mom's side of the family lived in Michigan.
0: Oh, okay. My
1: dad was—I don't—I don't even remember like how they met or where they met. And I, I want to say my mom was in Arizona somehow or Michigan. I don't—I don't remember how they met. That's a really long, tough, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, demographic. So then, moving around a lot as a kid, I never knew aunts, uncles, grandparents, like cousins were very foreign on the move. yeah
0: what uh what did your parents do that was it their job that kept them on the move or was it no okay. it was addiction okay
1: so we would run we would be in a place and then my mom would accumulate a certain amount of debt and get in very bad with the wrong people um so much so that i actually knew what to do if uh there was a drive-by so
0: how young were you when this all started like when you can consciously remember it starting
1: no, my, mom, my mom's been an addict my entire life. Okay. Yep. Uh,
0: now you said both, both parents?
1: Uh, yeah. So okay. my dad was so madly in love with my mom, supposedly, that he knew the only way to kind of like get into her world was to partake in it with her. Yeah. And then that spiraled downward. So then they were both doing it. So I don't remember my dad as an addict per se, but I remember that he did it. So that's a really weird thing for me to kind of look at my dad and remember that part of him yeah. because I admire and love my dad so much. Yeah. There's such a huge affection for my dad because I watched him turn his life around. I watched my dad um, uh, do a 180. My, I grew up and my dad was uh, um, a racist, like really, really bad. Okay. And then uh, in ninth grade, I introduced him to my black boyfriend and uh watching Is he like
0: specifically racist against black people oh every
1: everyone like my dad so would, your dad's mexican yes but looked like it like you he had people come up to him to speaking spanish he looks that mexican long like, long black hated hair Hated everyone else that, hated everyone like oh, everyone. <laughs> white people black people mexican people asian people he didn't care he like hated everyone equally so as it far as a race just
0: i hate oh, okay no it, races, <laughs>
1: not like like people like if he knew you personally he'd give you the shirt off his back yeah but then like he, he categorized, categorized the, oh, yeah, stereotypes never. for sure yeah. i've i've heard every like racist joke in the book so people are like kind of conscious around me like yeah. oh don't joke like that around becca and i'm like i've heard them all you can go i'm ahead.
0: sure i've offended you plenty not with you racist know, jokes right? that's usually not my forte but <laughs> my appropriateness level has never been <laughs>
1: <laughs> never been filtered yeah
0: um so i mean how old were you when you remember start having to like deal with this i know you said your whole life but like do you so do you have a lot of that kind of blocked out? Like I have, I don't no. remember much of my childhood at all. Just trauma related. I don't think about it. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, some people deal with it differently, especially yeah. at a, at a young age, people process things differently. I have always been, uh, quote unquote wise beyond my years is something that has been said to me my entire life from yeah. grown ups that I would meet. Uh, and it's, it's because I've been forced to be so at a young age when you're brought to the drug dealer's house you have to assess where you are what's going on the exits um and then you need to start looking at people's faces if something bad happens so that yeah. you can get out or tell the authorities or whatever have you um I started analyzing drugs at a young age too like figuring out what was what because I needed to know what effect it was going to have on my mother so like I started researching the pills she was taking or what, what- So it was
0: across the board it wasn't she wasn't one specific thing oh, no. just, just whatever <laughs> no, was available she was,
1: <laughs> yeah okay. yeah i think the only thing i've never seen is heroin so i think that that was something that she was not um that was like her limit that's yeah. something that she wouldn't touch so a lot of
0: people draw that line i feel like in just in the drug world like if i get to a point with i
1: don't know though i don't know needles, why like, maybe the needle you know. part yeah. But my mom was a nurse at one point in time, so I don't think like that's weird to me that she would draw the line there. like, yeah. oh no, I'm not an addict. I've been an addict my whole life, but I won't put a needle in myself. Like, it's yeah. kind of weird. Or maybe it was <laughs> too expensive, I don't know. Yeah. But well, yeah,
0: I mean, there's definitely a light shining on that specifically, just opioid crisis that's happening right now. And
1: uh, Yeah, I, I personally think it's less of a crisis yeah. and more that the crisis is is raising children because broken people make stupid decisions.
0: Well, and you so going back to people telling you you wise beyond your years. I'm sure that yeah. a lot of that came from I'm assuming you had to you felt like you had to step into the parent role with your younger sisters pretty early on.
1: Uh, I've always had um, like an innate desire to protect my sisters. Yeah. So being the oldest, it wasn't necessarily something I was forced to do or had to do, but it's just it's just in me to always know where they were and kind of keep them safe. Yeah. There have been several scenarios in my life where I have literally needed to keep them safe yeah. or try to keep them as innocent as possible and put them in the other room when something was happening or mom and dad start fist fighting and then I figure out where to move us so that we are protected from whatever's going on.
0: Did you feel at all like kind of robbed of a childhood? Absolutely, a
1: hundred percent. There was a period of my life when I was i went through a lot and then 18 and 19 years old when i was younger i always said that when i became 18 i was literally going to pack my bags and move like the day i turned 18 and i was going to take my sisters with me because it was very clear that my mother didn't want to be a mother so it was like i will relieve her of all duties when i'm 18 years old i will take custody i was looking into um all the legalities of taking custody of my sisters and all that um, but the universe had a different idea in mind. So there was a point where my mom didn't, I was 18. My mom didn't come home for a couple of days and it turns out that she, you know, went on a binge or whatever and then sold the family van. And my dad basically sat us down and was like, your mom has a really big problem right now and it's not going to get better until she gets help and she's not going to get help unless we kick her out.
0: Was it abnormal for your mom to be gone for days at a time? Yes, oh, okay, so yeah she, she always...
1: was a I mean she would always come back, yeah, yeah, but we, us being teenagers, I think maybe that helped her like, oh, they're fine on their own, I'm just yeah. gonna get lost, but my dad was also very much in the picture, so I mean, my whole life they've been separated on and off, but this particular time, um we actually had to take a vote. And all three of us How voted. How old were you at this point? I was 18. Okay, so this so is 18, right when So 18, 17, and like 15, okay. 13, whatever.
0: What, at what point did your dad, because you said he got into drugs as well early on, right? Mm-hmm. To get to be with your mom. Mm-hmm. When did he Stop. flip the switch? Yeah.
1: Um. Probably when I was in fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, probably when we moved to Michigan, I was in sixth grade.
0: Okay. So you're like 12 years old when... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you come, When you moved here, did you come to the west side of the state, or did you come to this area?
1: mm Davisburg, actually. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. We might know some of the same people. I drove
1: through <laughs> it, and I was like, man, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is really weird. It feels like all of my life is in Davisburg, but I've only been in Davisburg for seven years, if not six years. Yeah. There's just so much that happened during that period of my life.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. And we just went, I'm not, I don't want to get too off subject, we just went to Arizona... Um I'd been there but when I was Mm ten, which I don't think counts. (laughs) And my wife had never been there, so we were just in the northern area, like we went to the Grand Canyon stuff, but then we went to Sedona. Yeah. And both of us kept going, like, there's so many fricking forests here. (laughs) Because you think of it and you're like, Oh, it's sand and mountains for as far as it's just Sedona though. Yeah. Uh
1: it's like a Sedona thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um so did how it
1: snows in Flagstaff.
0: Yeah. Yep. So did you I don't know what part you grew up in, but, like, was that... Okay, so was it a huge shock? Obviously, Davisburg, for anyone that doesn't know, is (laughs) going to be a huge shock for anybody. But, like, nature-wise, like, was that a huge shock? And, like, the, the...
1: No, I was...
0: Were you excited to like be outside at all? <laughs> um, I do remember
1: to... being so hot as a kid. Uh, also was left in the car. it survived in Arizona um, before it was an epidemic of leaving your children in cars. I was voluntarily left in the car.
0: I think the epidemic is directly related to <laughs> smartphones personally. <laughs> <Right>? but...
1: <laughs> we'll get to that on another yeah. time. Um, it was so hot that it like turns your stomach. I, I remember it being, and then like going outside in flip flops, your, your feet just like burn. Yeah. Yeah, I fan. I remember that heat. I don't mind it. I've actually lived in Georgia now, and I would totally go back to Arizona in a heartbeat. Um, yeah,
0: it's dry. At least it's not. Everyone says humorful. that, and
1: I'm like, <laughs> heat is heat, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. hot. Hot is hot. I, I get <laughs>
0: very whiny. I'm fine with hot outside. I do not like hot inside. If I'm indoors and I'm hot, I'm a crabby five year old. Oh, no matter how old. <laughs> um.
1: So the the green thing. Um, it wasn't necessarily a huge shock for me because we, we gradually moved there. So, with my parents getting into debt, yes. um, we would we would move. So we moved from Arizona to Michigan and then back, and then we moved to Florida. From Florida we moved to Tennessee. From Tennessee we moved to Michigan. So all of mm-hmm. that happened from when I was between six and seven to twelve.
0: Okay, so you lots lots of moving around.
1: Yeah, because. When you, you get into debt with dr- different yeah. drug dealers and then they start Can't coming after around. you, yeah. you got to move. Um, and there was one point where we, my, we had a family meeting and mom and dad were like, it was literally probably seven or eight at night. And my mom and dad were like, uh, we're leaving in the morning. So anything that you actually want to take with you, it needs yeah. to go into the car. Mind you, we had like one of the tiniest like two door Chevys. I don't remember what it was so called, but it was you didn't real get to little... bring a lot of stuff with you. I've I probably have maybe twenty baby pictures because throughout my life we would put things in storage and then my parents would stop paying on it or couldn't pay yeah. on it and we lost everything. So, so I you... have nothing, nothing sentimental. I don't have dolls. I don't have blankets. I don't have anything from my childhood.
0: How's that affected you as an adult? Like you have kids now. I do. Um, how's that affected you as far as uh, sentimental attachment and just objects in general like do you carry a lot of stuff or are you a throw it away sort of person um
1: it's it's had the reverse effect kind of because i'm still i'm very much a realist so it's like are my kids gonna value this thing yeah. when they're my age yeah. and some maybe some things that they will and maybe some things that they won't so i've had trinkets from my grandmother's passing come down to me um that i hold very dearly and I, they're in a, a safe space yeah. but then there's other things like artwork that my daughter comes home from school i'm like trash i'm not keeping that at all
0: mind you you're talking to someone who has happy meal toys in a (laughs) cabinet behind me um i've recently gone through a fit of nostalgia and really embraced yeah Uh, so that so but you personally outside your kids like do you find yourself holding on to things now concert tickets like little stuff like that or is it you try not to have that sentimental attachment or you don't even think about it
1: I don't want to be a hoarder. <laughs>
0: well, <yeah. laughs>
1: so there's like a small fear of like hanging on to so many items and really what are you doing with them? You know, yeah. like you could you could accumulate so many things and it really is about the memories and it's about the experience. Like I, I'm very much one to put my phone down and just enjoy the concert rather than like pictures yeah. and videoing and, and even my kids. Like I, I hardly take pictures of my kids because I'm with them in the moment. And I'm just honestly yeah. immersed in, in the moment rather than like, one, Oh, we need to remember this next week.
0: <laughs> one a year. Just remember what they looked like that year. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Maybe a haircut or two. Um, so your mom is still struggling with drugs, Were drugs, the reason that you guys went to michigan the last time
1: um we were were in tennessee and living a great life uh stable life mind you and i thought that my mom was clean i feel like there were periods where i thought that she was clean. she probably wasn't but anyway um we got a really weird phone call she hadn't talked to her mother in five years and we got a really weird phone call from my mom's stepdad who had randomly found her somehow and basically said you need to come to michigan because your mom's dying so So we packed up everything i mean like we had a gorgeous house we lived on like several acres of land we even had to leave our dog with like a a friend that my mom knew like family dog couldn't come um we lived on the mississippi river like it was absolutely gorgeous like like i hated leaving
0: it was more of a planned move though than middle of the night move Oh, yeah, yeah. But you still had to leave. Like, essentially, my so grandma's dying. But my
1: mom probably knew how much money that she had and everything. Yeah. So my mom was like, well, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. um, so, funny story, uh, we drove through the night to get there as soon as possible. So we packed every, as much as we could up. Uh, we, we were so good at packing at this point. Um, so that was easy. It had to be. Right? Yeah. And then we got there, and I remember, I mean, we even slept in the car, drove all night. We get there, open the door, and I see my grandmother with like a glass of whiskey and water sitting at the table fine as can be so he lied to get us to michigan little did he know that we had to leave everything like
0: what was his motive to get you guys there
1: he wanted them to talk again eventually he got sick he died from cancer so like you know it's kind of meant for us to be in in michigan
0: that's strange like to introduce it as a you need to move here instead of like you need to come up. I guess was it your mom's decision that we need to move there instead of just
1: Yeah, because she knew that my grandfather was going to need to be taken care of gotcha. if she was dying and like they they had, you know, like 4 acres of land, they had lots of things to take care of. Yeah. Um if she died, he would need help taking care of financials and all of that. So I feel like my mom just knew that she needed to l- live yeah. here to take care of it, I guess
0: so what did uh what did, did your mom hold jobs and stuff this whole time? No, no, not at all, Lord no. <laughs> what did your dad do
1: um various things my my dad's done a lot of things, one of his favorite jobs was actually being a garbage man, okay, yeah, there was one time where we we lived in a house or whatever, and I looked around and I'm like. Every single thing in our house is from somebody's garbage, like cabinets, <laughs> chairs, couches, stuff be my on the fear. wall.
0: I would do that same
1: <laughs> <laughs> My dad has found some, I mean, he's found gold, he's found diamonds. His oh, yeah. People throw away, they, they don't care. They just throw away lots of things.
0: I just think it'd be an interesting job, like from a voyeuristic point of view, like you you see everything that people get rid of and and yeah yeah i'm sure you probably find some awesome stuff in my personal opinion a lot of people be like no you find garbage no Um. (laughs) contrary to the
1: fact um he's he's been a handyman he's uh he was an electrician for a while he got his journeyman's card so he was doing that legit for a while he really enjoyed um I guess, working with electricity. I don't know. That's kind of weird to say. Um, and then his dream was to be a garbage man. So that's ran through my family. My grandfather, my, my mom's biological father, has been a truck driver and actually um, retired from being a truck driver. So it's been in my family. The family's tried to own a couple trucking companies, and, of course, they went south because of uh, my mother's problem, probably. And um, my dad finally achieved his dream and he was driving for this company and um then he was running with his uh latest wife and uh got into an accident and then that's how he died
0: jumping forward i think when did this happen
1: when i was 26 okay i'm 34 now so 2011
0: can we jump back a little yeah so your mom takes off when you're 18 sells the van does she return back home? Yep. Do you and guys kick her out? W- yes. Okay.
1: Yep. So my dad, my dad had had the discussion with her, and all her belongings were on the porch, and um, I went out there to speak to her because I felt some sort of way about it. Like I, I felt like I needed to communicate with my mom that I loved her and that this was happening out of love, and because I, I didn't want her to ha- have anger towards us kids, and I don't even know if she knew that it was our decision. Because yeah. my dad was like, I am like, this needs to be a unanimous decision yeah. to kick her out. And leaving that decision up to some teenagers was now looking back on it is like, what?
0: Do you but- think he did that so he wouldn't harbor his own resentment? Or have you guys harbor resentment towards him? Not at all. Like maybe you grow up and, well, oh, dad made us kick mom out or anything like that. No, not at all. Okay. But
1: my mom she did a lot of terrible things made a lot of bad decisions and chose uh drugs over her children uh quite frequently yeah so it was almost like we'd rather survive on our own than with her because she was just toxic especially at that point in time
0: so how long i mean what happened next with her when is next time You saw her? Oh,
1: funny story. (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay.
1: So back to the porch, I went out there to talk to her, and I looked my mom in the face, and I told her that I loved her, and that I was looking at her. I don't think she was looking at me at this point. And I said, you know, we're doing this out of love, and I really want you to get help. Like, I I want you to be better. Hmm. And she looked at me dead in the face, and she said, I hate you. And I was like 18, 17, 18, I I was just going to graduate high school. Yeah. And I had, I had to handle, uh, senior pictures, cap and gown, like that whole process of leaving high school. I did by myself.
0: And you almost had to. Did by like, myself. Cause you had, I'm guessing you were some form of parent, like I said, with your kids yeah. or with your, with yeah. your sisters yep. The entire time. So. so then at
1: my senior party or whatever that's called, open house, <laughs> my open house, um, everyone was there and she knew, she, she known that everyone was there. My dad was there. Our house was unattended. Uh, so she went to the house and completely destroyed sector. it. yep, she took baby pictures, family pictures, and I was old enough to where I was like, How are, can these be mine now? <laughs> yeah. like I don't have any baby pictures, and you just took the the several pictures that I had eventually, I got them back over time, but um, yeah, that sucked uh and then I didn't actually see that yeah. uh, and then maybe a week or two later. I had a car, it was my graduation present, and uh, I had a car and my dad left for work that day and he said, no matter what, if your mom comes here and she asks for your car, don't give it to her. I was like, all right. And he's like, I'm serious. Do not give her the keys. And I was like, I heard you the first time. Okay. So I put the keys. Typical teenager response. (laughs) Put the keys away. I wasn't your typical teenager though. (laughs) Let's get that straight. Um, But I didn't have any idea what my mom was really capable of and um she came into the house that day and i was like so weird that my dad like knew this was going to happen you yeah. know like is my dad telepathic or something and she came up the st- i was in my room upstairs she came up the i could hear her coming up the stairs and she was angry and she's yelling or something and you know she's like "rebecca i want your car" she's like "you know i own half of everything it's mine anyway" and i'm like "that car's in my name like that was a present yeah. for me it's my car" and i'm like "you can't have it" Well, then she came all the way up the stairs, and she was holding uh, the biggest kitchen knife that we had. So she held the knife to my throat, demanded my keys to my car, Jeez. and so I gave them to her. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Listen, Dad, <laughs> this car's not worth not this." Not worth your life. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So then, you know, she stole my car. She left immediately. She stole my car. And then, um, and, you know, claimed that it was her car. Eventually, I found the right policeman to help me because, actually, I went through the county uh, and, and the local police department. And they wouldn't help me. They were like, this is a family affair. We're not helping you. I was like, are you kidding me?
0: Lady tried to kill me and steal my car.
1: <laughs> no, she's your mother. She's allowed to do that. <laughs> I was like, but is she really? Is she really my mother at this point?
0: I have issues with how police treated a lot of things, like, in the pre... Pre, uh for lack of a better term, woke years <laughs> as we are in right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. Appalling. Uh, so, okay, continue because I'm wondering how the end of this story goes.
1: I eventually I found my car. It was like in the in the trailer park. I was visiting a friend that lived in the same trailer park. He was like, "Hey, I have or I saw your car." I was like, "What?" I took the spare key. He drove me over there, and I went to put the key in. And she had changed the ignition lock so what? I so c- couldn't steal the car back if I wanted to. Wow. And I had the cops say that I was completely legal in doing so because the, t- the car was actually in my name. Yeah. Um And then I pounded on the door as brave as I was at 18 years old like what the what am I gonna do? You know what I mean?
0: Like, Jeez, yeah. Thinking about
1: it now I'm like that was a bad idea. Um, but thankfully everyone was not there. There was one lady and she was like uh, who are you? And I was like uh, is Cindy here? And she's like no but she'll be back that's her car i'm like no that's my car that's crazy (laughs) so then eventually i found a state trooper to actually file the report for me and then maybe a week later um they called me and said my car was in a ditch and then it was going into the impound yard so then i had to but
0: you didn't even have keys to at that point (laughs)
1: correct so i get they can rekey your car on location which i think is pretty neat so he just
0: maybe that's swapped. how she had it yeah right <laughs> that's crazy she, they
1: swapped out the ignition oddly enough it was like 30 bucks i'm like yeah. this is oddly i've had to do that low. without proper
0: tools and so in my mind right now i'm like how is that possible <laughs> but i'm sure yeah i'm sure mechanics mind. are all just like dink, dink. yeah that's not big deal. yeah <laughs> that's, that's nuts yeah
1: and then eventually i mean it was like full of all kinds of things moss and like whatever because it's she just abandoned
0: just, yeah yeah but um, I
1: kept that car. <laughs> I ran so, the wheels off that car. Uh, yeah, as you should.
0: <laughs> that car deserved to have that <laughs> done to it. Um, so what happens to mom? Do you When do you see her next?
1: Oh, um, mom ended up in jail okay. right after that. Um, lots of apologies, and um, I was the only one to come visit her in jail.
0: Drug charges?
1: Of course, 1819. She was caught with like a kilo of coke, um, which is like a gallon sized ziploc baggie of coke so wow intent so that's, to, yeah. i mean intent like intent i could be distribute. off i'm not yeah oh yeah 100 percent intent to distribute yeah. you're not consuming that on your own yeah. that's not like your personal stash Clapton, <laughs> maybe but
0: like other than that yeah that's
1: <laughs> so then her story is i'm innocent and uh it was thrown in her lap when the cops pulled them over but it belonged to her friend I'm like, well, that's a pretty terrible friend that yeah, you're Don't put yourself, running yourself around in a
0: car on. with a kilo of coke, yeah. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, why was it not in the trunk? Come on. Let's be smart about our <laughs> drugs. Anyway, or like surrounded in like spinach or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> Again, I, I, not the smartest. She was in jail, just regular old jail. So I just had to get completely patted down to go visit her. And I would do that regularly. And eventually she w- was clean and whatever. So I was like talking to my mother. And, uh, when, when
0: do you think do you remember before that ever doing that yeah there are oh. periods
1: in my life where i remember specifically talking to her but i don't ever remember her actually being like a mother like having a conversation with me where it's like this is what i want you to do with your life or like yeah. any any form of nurturing um so anyway she told me she burned all her bridges and she was like becca i have nowhere to stay when i get out of jail no one will help me so i moved out of of my dad's with my dad and my sisters moved out of that house got an apartment where she wanted me to she was going to move in with me we were going to share bills she was going to get a job because on that road in Clarkston there was like a ton of places where she could be employed help me with bills um eventually she either got fired or stopped working and when i mean eventually i literally mean a couple months in yeah uh and then i had to i actually held down three jobs that's like one of my biggest accomplishments <laughs> <laughs> didn't think i could hold down That's three jobs i did hold down three jobs um, i mean
0: it sounds like you like your dad from what you said has a crazy work ethic yes so he does. it sounds like you might have inherited some my, of that as yeah you
1: know. my dad would work uh from like five six in the morning until nine ten at night Yeah,
0: just a very proud worker like, that um, like- he
1: had to yeah. she she absorbed a lot of the money with her addiction and then still had three mouths to feed still yeah. you know groceries roof over the head the whole there was a lot of pressure on my dad i think not not one he ever spoke about
0: just that i think in itself is an accomplishment um Mm -hmm. i know i like i feel like i'm kind of a victim of this where your parents some parents don't filter themselves around their children Mm -hmm. as much as they should Mm -hmm. and then that will end up screwing up your kids later on in life so uh that's yeah i mean bravo to your dad for doing that and not letting you guys know as much that might have been going on yeah, um,
1: maybe he was just too busy.
0: That's possible <laughs> I'm too. way too busy to talk to
1: you guys about how I feel.
0: So mom loses her job. She's living with you.
1: Yeah, there was one night where my boyfriend and I were over and we were disassembling my bed. I had a water bed. It was amazing. And I decided I didn't want this water bed anymore. Um, so it's like nine ten at night and we're taking it apart. I have three jobs. I don't really have time any other time. Yeah. She came in the room and she got in my face and she started yelling at me. Um, you know, I'm trying to sleep. How dare you, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And, uh, for the first time in my life, I actually told her, you have no right to say anything to me. So this is my house. Yeah. Like I literally pay a hundred percent of the bills. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want in this, this apartment Absolutely. until the police are like, Hey, keep it down. Yeah. Um, so I, I told her, you don't, you can no longer tell me what to do. Yeah. And that was on Wednesday. And on Friday, I came home from work, and she had a U-Haul backed up to the back door of the apartment, and all her stuff was gone. She sat me down, and she said, honey, I'm leaving. And I'm like, we still have a lease. Like, what? Yeah. how do you just leave?
0: But in, at this point, though, you're paying for everything anyway, right? Correct, yeah.
1: correct. She left me. It, it was accumulating very quickly. Yeah. I could, even with three jobs, two serving jobs and a babysitting job, I couldn't. I couldn't afford what she left me with already. Yeah. Um so I ended up moving out and then accumulating debt and then I remember the feeling of paying off that debt that she had helped me accumulate and it was like the best feeling in the world to pay that off. So she moved to Florida and um, she has been there ever since.
0: Is she currently have you, when was the last time you talked to her?
1: Uh, just a couple weeks ago, maybe oh, okay. maybe two weeks ago. She's so
0: still keeping somewhat regular contact with it?
1: Yes. Completely regular contact. I am her only approved contact oh. for prison.
0: So she's in prison in Florida.
1: She is in prison. One of the largest women's prisons in the U.S.
0: Again, drugs, I assume?
1: Yes, um, uh, along with a laundry list of other things. So she was uh, caught with a weapon and no license, no card to carry, nothing. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, it was loaded because that's the smart thing to do. And um, drugs, whatever. So, I mean, her her record has to be like... I mean a novel, like a Stephen King yeah. series of novels
0: what- when did she go to prison
1: three years ago, three and a half years ago, because she had to be filtered through county in order to do her sentence for prison, so she yeah, at know. surrounding <laughs> counties, if you have charges that are pending or you have oh, warrants, yeah. you have to serve time there before they move you to prison. They won't just wrap it all in like counties are like greedy, I guess. <laughs> So they're like, no, no, you, you need to owe stay us. here first. Yeah, yeah, you owe us six months before you can move to prison. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it's a weird system we have yeah, in this country. It's, it's bad. Maybe that's just Florida so specific. Um, you guys know that I am a fierce advocate for therapy. Let's face it, this whole show would not exist without the leaps and bounds I've been able to make in therapy, and that is why I am beyond proud to have BetterHelp sponsor this show. Ask yourself, is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Uh, You know, I know I've spent some time in therapy learning to rein in my need for external validation. That's been my thing. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Maybe even me one day. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 15,000 plus counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas, and it's available for clients worldwide. And when you sign up, you can start communicating within 48 hours. So are you getting those random light bulb moments like I do? You're laying in bed and you're like, oh, I just thought of that. Uh, well, with BetterHelp, better help, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. That's huge. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Guys, I know that waiting room awkwardness. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. No more of the awkward therapist breakups if you and your counselor aren't a match. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to just start living a happier life today visit betterhelp.com/friendrequest that's better h e l p and join over 1 million people that's a lot of people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional there's a special offer for friend request listeners that's you guys you get 10% off your first month of counseling when you visit betterhelp.com/friendrequest that's better h e l p.com/friendrequest remember when you support our sponsors you guys are supporting our show i appreciate it You moved out in 19. Mm-hmm. your dad got an accident six years later does that sound right
1: six or seven yeah I'm
0: trying to do quick math in my head yeah it's not working <laughs> you said your dad got remarried though yeah okay what happened there he Cause... got remarried twice oh, okay in that span of time her. yeah what is that 10 years
1: something like that maybe even less no it was less than 10 years Seven years. Okay. He got married twice, yeah.
0: You maintain a good relationship with him throughout, afterward, like after you moved out? A hundred percent. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's... My dad was my most favorite person in the entire world. Yes. Yeah, he was very much, uh, very, like, foundational, a, a very big pillar in my life.
0: You think you got, like, most of your values from him?
1: Um, not necessarily. I got saved when I was 14, so a lot of, like, my values, morals, my...
0: So that's the next integrity and
1: character character comes from being a christian and like knowing the bible and like what i should be doing that is the
0: other thing i want to talk about because i um of the few things that i know about you from working with you i know you uh have a very strong faith Mm -hmm. so i wanted to find out especially given your background when that happened how that happened why that happened and like how difficult has it been keeping that throughout all the stuff that you went through oh. so so you said That's an 14 Interesting set of questions <laughs> all at once go yeah <laughs> so you you said you got saved at 14 uh-huh. um what led to that who there took was you such through that?
1: growing up there was a really superficial thing about religion to me yeah. uh every now and again we would go to church like mom would feel so guilt written and my mom would be like we're going to church
0: did and either one of worked... your parents grow up super religious like in religious families
1: um no i think that i think that my dad might have been raised catholic and because my grandmother is like literally from mexico like she is a hundred percent Mexican. Yeah. and um my on my mother's side there was a lot of like my aunts and aunts were like choir singers so they did go to church regularly but then I think something happened that was never explained to me and then my grandmother wouldn't even mention like God Jesus like it was It was really the weird. There was one time in my entire life where I came down. There was a piano at my grandma's house. There was. It was a, like an organ piano kind yeah. of thing, really old. Yeah. And I was like, why is this here? Like, grandma doesn't play this. There was one time where I actually got to see her play it and sing. I think she was, like, super drunk, so she was <laughs> like, I'm going to play it. Um. And I was like, that is some spiritual stuff right there. And my mom was like, don't even ask. I was like, why do we got to have secrets? It's but, nice uh, yeah, so 14... I, I had been exposed for a couple years during that time uh, prior to like, you know, being able to go to camp or Bible camp or like, um, just Sunday school. I was, I was invited by a friend, you know, yeah. it was just a friend kind of thing. Come to my church with me. And was so this
0: when you were there at that age? I mean, did you feel like I'm away from everything at home right now? This is... Did you feel like that was a safe space for you that you didn't even know existed? Because, I mean, at home you have your mom, your dad, your sisters, and then at camp. School
1: was actually very much uh, a safe place for me. Like, people hated school, but I actually appreciated school because I had no responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, school was was a really... Um, kind of weird space for me and none i mean no nobody knew it not even my best friends that i spoke to every single day they did not have any idea what i was going through at home so i actually had to finish my homework at home or at At school school, at the hours of school because i when i got home there was i I was a normal kid
0: yeah like a level of shame too involved there where you don't want you don't want your friends to know not
1: necessarily because i did i still understood that it was 100 percent out of my control and it was survival so it's like the fight or flight kind of thing and it was 100 percent survival So your
0: mind was already almost in like adult mode because like a lot of that stuff just generic as a kid you're gonna think like you know if you see another family you're like oh that family is better than mine because they don't have this or uh my family's better than theirs yeah so.
1: i think the first time where i went over to a friend's house and i saw the way that they lived i was like what <laughs> like this is weird yeah you're not like you're yeah it was just it's you get you know you become more self-aware yeah when you start seeing that there is a comparison or there's yeah. other people that live differently than you yeah
0: the, the last interview i did uh, we talked about normality because i kept asking my friend his parents went through like five different divorces and I was like, so what was that, what was that like? he's like, it was just normal. Like, I thought this yeah. was just normal. <laughs> and the more people I talk to, it seems, and I, I guess when I think about it for me, it's it's probably true to a point, like, until you start, like you said, hanging out with other people and going to their houses and being like, oh. um, So that was just, you just thought this was just normal. And then, like, to some degree, I'm sure something might have stood out that it wasn't. <laughs> but is that why you think, like, that didn't really affect you? You just thought that was... A normal way that parents kind of were to some degree and families and
1: um i guess it was just understanding that that was my family dynamic okay like it and it was it was what i had to do and what i had to deal with i didn't i didn't really have time to sit and think like oh if things were different or maybe if they loved each other or maybe they stopped doing bad things like we could have a normal life it i don't i don't remember thinking those things
0: there weren't like what if questions no just, i'm still not things. a what if kind yeah. of person though you don't seem like a what if no. kind of person.
1: <laughs> i mean like you can get st- i have, don't have time for that you yeah. can get stuck yeah. so at, at 14 i finally my friend was like come watch me play drums at this church and i was like okay started going to that church but um getting saved my, i told my mom i was like i went to this like outing or something and asked jesus into my heart and i i was like afraid to tell my mom that that happened yeah uh, and she was like, you're already saved. Like, that was her response. Was, you're already saved. Why would what you do that? What a waste of time, back Yeah, <laughs> what a waste of time. And I was like, oh, all right. Like, I thought maybe you'd promote this, like, Jesus thing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't feel changed. Yeah. So then I, I did it two more times. Like, I literally, like, did the whole, like... You became addicted to saving. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You're
0: saved.
1: laughs> I, I'm not fully saved. I need to be all the way saved. Yeah. Uh, and then there was one time where I... I cried out to God and I was like, this is weird. Like, I don't, f- I feel like there's, I'm doing something wrong. Like hmm. I haven't actually given you all of myself or something. Like what am I doing wrong here? Uh, and I, I was in the basement of where we, we were. Cause that was where my room was like the Harry Potter kid. And, um, <laughs> I remember, Potter. I remember just you know, closing my eyes and like saying the prayer that I knew by now. Yeah. And, uh, there was like a, like a silhouette of Jesus's face that was a picture at my grandparents' house. Yeah. And it was very like surreal that it felt like it came toward me. And then I felt really, really warm, like really fuzzy and really warm, super weird because yeah. I was in the basement. <laughs> and uh, I I was like, okay, went outside. And it was so surreal how everything felt. And I don't know why I went out, went outside to play or something. Yeah. You can't be at the inside all the time. <laughs> And the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, the air—I could feel the wind like across my face. Your
0: entire perspective, it was, outlook. Everything. Yeah, it
1: was. Yeah, it was magnified. That's remarkable. Yeah. So then that was the last time I got saved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, okay, I hit it. I accomplished yeah. it.
1: <laughs> okay, I hear you loud and clear, Lord.
0: <laughs> so that's—I mean—that tied it in for you for for oh, I'm hitting my table forever, like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um I, I clung very, very close to my faith in God. Um, and it, all of the turmoil and all of the chaos that ensued in my family, it, it gave me something to turn to, to understand that things were going to be okay, that I was going to be protected. Yeah. So there are so many times where things bad could have happened to me, yeah. um, but nothing ever did. I th- there was one particular instance. I was talking to my sister about it a little while ago. We went to my mom's boyfriend's house, and she went upstairs. Neither of my sisters were there, which I found weird, because I'm like, how did I end up somewhere without my sisters? Because yeah. you were, we we're a group. We we're a herd. We always go go places together. But anyway, my mom decided to stay up there the entire night. And I don't remember her communicating to me, like, hey, I'm going to be gone the whole night upstairs. Yeah. Fend for yourself. And I was sitting on the couch watching TV and kind of, like, falling asleep. And I remember feeling so uneasy because there was a gentleman in the kitchen that I could see from the couch. Like, complete line, direct line of sight. It wasn't, like, around the corner. Like, I knew he was there. could literally see him staring at me. And I was a teenager. And uh, I I, I didn't sleep. And if I did sleep, I was hugging my knees. Oh,
0: I'm sure. Because
1: I was... This guy was intentionally staring into my soul.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember, like, I had to be protected somehow. Like, if he wanted me, he could have very well
0: yeah.
1: have, I mean, chopped me up into little pieces afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I could be in someone's cabinet. But, yeah, there are lots of other stories to where my I I just justified me being safe because of my faith, basically.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, I mean, if anybody has been shook or tested i'm sure it's been you over these many many things that have happened
1: yeah i like to say it's less of being tested and more of like just his his arms around me like i know that this is all going to happen to you because i willed it to yeah. but i got you
0: so and feel free to rub me off and say no don't do that, that was a weird phrase um, but <laughs> <laughs> say tell me to shut up i know what um, you mean <laughs> but, yeah Uh, i've been around the block (laughs) so do you think that i mean your childhood your your parents has that had any sort of detrimental effect on your own relationships
1: detrimental
0: or or maybe positive maybe you like Um,
1: i am definitely someone that has learned from other people's mistakes my whole life so i'm quite analytical yeah Uh, And then as I grow older, I understand that I can't just rely on the analytical process of my brain. There's more receiving and understanding what people feel because that ties into the analytical part. So as much as you want to say, like, facts are facts, like, feelings are involved and people are messy. Um, So, you know, the dynamic between my parents, I don't have an example of of love. I don't have an, an example of unconditional love apart from Christ's love for me. Yeah. So then it, it then that gives me, like, the idea of what a real marriage should be. Um, and I have actually married twice. Like, I'm in my second marriage. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yep, I got married married when I moved to Grand Rapids when I was 23. Okay. And that was, like, a, a progressive thing. So we dated. Uh, we waited to move in together. We waited to have sex. We did everything, like, the Christian way. And then after I married him i was like i changed who i was to fit his idea of who i thought i should be and that was uncomfortable and that wasn't where i wanted to be and i was miserable and it took a lot for me to to internalize the idea that i was going to be divorced because my dad was on marriage number four and they had been separated for six months before he died so he was actually on like woman number five apart from my mom wow and then he was married before that and had kid number one which is my half sister so like okay yeah my dad went through quite a bit but i've watched my dad change with every relationship i watched him change so like the last lady that he was with never laid a hand on her but i watched him beat the crap out of my mom okay so it's like my dad you know he grew he changed he yeah he self he became self-aware but as far as my own i think it's different it's different because I, addiction is nowhere near my life. Yeah. Uh, so that plays a huge part in it. Mental illness, that kind of thing isn't there. I've been checked. <laughs> uh, do you have,
0: do you have, uh, and, I mean, this is something I deal with. So my, my father's alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. Like we're just a big old family. <laughs> uh, my brother's an alcoholic. I have my own issues with alcohol. Um, is that something that you keep in the back of your head that like addiction is in my family and like, that's a do you drink you drink we talked about wine um
1: but every every now and again i drink and i would drink socially so if we're out um and i feel like it or if i feel safe more like yeah like i don't have to drive i don't have the kid and my kids with yeah, me yeah. it has to be the stage has to be like completely set for me to drink so you put a lot um, of rules and in place a hundred percent yeah yeah personal rules yeah
0: yeah and yeah and do you think that's because of your past and i mean you put that consciously in your head like
1: i'd say i'd say it's more smart and i know that if i something happened to me when i was drinking i'd never forgive myself if if and when i got out of prison for doing so um and leaving my kids like i I would never i mean you know if i died somehow (laughs) some way like i don't have anything to forgive myself about but my kids are going to grow up grow up without a mom absolutely that's terrible I don't. I don't think that that's in the back of my mind. My mom's told me my entire life, "You're an addict," and I'm like, "Are you high right now?" Um, but like the sci- Scientology of passing that addiction, like the the parts of your brain that yeah. at, that associate with the addiction, passing it on to your children, I don't agree with at all because okay. I am a hundred percent living proof of breaking the cycle.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't. Um I think you can be susceptible to addiction without being an addict.
1: I think that I, I think that everyone has that capability. I think we're wired as humans yeah. to want more of the thing that fires us up, yeah. no matter what it is. I mean, it could it could be music, it could be gambling, it could be oh yeah, you can be a addicted sensation. To anything.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, I've been addicted <laughs> to plenty. There's shows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, look at I mean, smartphones are uh yeah. It's a problem in itself. Yeah, it's. I a, mean, unconsciously picking it up and just like you don't even know you're doing it um
1: there was one time i was like going through facebook videos and like trailing off and all these you know oh look at this look at this this." (laughs) and three hours later i was like i'm that person (laughs) i can't i can't be on my phone the rest of the day like three hours ago
0: yeah i will (laughs) i I will set rules sometimes and if i notice myself doing the mindless Mm -hmm. scrolling type stuff i will like delete those from my phone like minimum this many days yeah yeah gotta like reset some boundaries you have to um and i mean i know i like i personally difference of beliefs i personally think that like i am predisposed pre genetically predisposed to uh addiction Hmm. um i mean i've i've seen proof in that to some degree uh so i try to look out for that i've always been a very self-aware person so i I recognize some things and i'm able to i think separate myself before it gets to a point that Mm -hmm. might be like hard to come back from yeah so yeah phone's just another one of those things Uh it's everything else uh everything's good in moderation yeah it's,
1: (laughs) it's almost like telling your brain like no we're not going there yeah with anything yeah uh
0: one thing you've done that i definitely struggled with for my whole life um you still talk to your mom. Do you, would you say you love your mom?
1: 100% I love my mom.
0: So, loving an addict. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked, we not talked about it, but we touched on those, that it, yeah. phrase yesterday. Yeah. Um, I guess. I could
1: uh, tell that that struck a nerve with you. Well, because
0: I, so my father, like I said, was an alcoholic. Um, he died four years ago, five years ago, five years ago in September. No, mm-hmm. four years ago in September. Two weeks after his birthday there were unresolved things. Uh, between. Well, them. I didn't talk to him for the last 10 years of his life. Mm. So, um, I don't have a bunch of resentment around that because mm-hmm. he got like alcoholic dementia. Um, he didn't know who I was when he was talking to me, even when he was sober. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought like my brother's kid was my brother. Like, so I don't think I missed out too much in the latter years of like talking to him. Cause I don't know how much of him was there, left. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's definitely I spent years full of anger, yeah, yeah. um i d- I guess I'd know the answer that if I asked you this question, <laughs> but uh getting over oh, that let's like, compare answers well, I'm assuming, and I'm making an assumption, I apologize, no, <laughs> but go I'm ahead. assuming uh your faith is the answer to how you like overcame that and really, like i love you be like beyond this, hmm. So I mean, I don't have an answer because I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know what the answer is to how do you love someone in spite of that uh, that flaw in them?
1: That's that's a hundred percent an example of unconditional love. Yeah. So no matter what, I love you. It's the it's the no matter what part. Yeah. But the hard thing is setting the boundaries with that person because it does just because you love them no matter what doesn't mean that you need to give them the power to do whatever they want to you. Yeah. So, I have a lot of boundaries with my mother. Um like I said, she's been in prison for 3 years. I have not seen my mother in ten, probably 10 years. I haven't physically seen her. So, she lives in Florida. I've I've had I have a 5-year-old, so f- 5 years. Yeah. Set two marriages. Like I haven't gone to Florida to see her. Yeah. I don't really have a strong desire to be with her to see her because I know that that it creates a dynamic that I'm not necessarily comfortable with is being in her world yeah. for her to come into my world. That's different. And there will be rules. Yeah. Um, but to go into her world, I, I'm not. So my mom also OD'd, um, when I was 23, I was in management training and I was in a hotel room for eight weeks back and forth to work. And, uh, I got a call from my sister one night and she said, mom od and immediately thought that she died and then she you know she said she's okay she's came in the hospital out of the hospital or whatever but i can remember that look on my mom's face when she was just completely out of it yeah. and then like s- taking that to the next level it's a, it's kind of something i didn't think i don't think that my mom's invincible by any means and it's like you almost anticipate the phone call of saying, like, hey, your mom's, yeah. your mom's actually dead. It
0: might always happen at some point.
1: It, yeah. yeah. Growing up, it might always... You know, mom might not come home, or mom might... We might get a phone call. Like, to this day, I still...
0: Yeah. It
1: wouldn't surprise me if that was the phone call that I got, I guess.
0: Do you think that's the only time she's OD'd? That,
1: that was a... Yeah. All right. Yeah. To to the point where uh she would have died had they not, like, shocked the crap out of her. Like, yeah.
0: So you have...
1: Oh, so back to answering that question. Oh, yes. So <laughs> there was a period of my life between in, in my 20s, like early 20s, before I got married, so maybe like 20, 21, 22, where I had gotten really, really angry at God specifically. Because understanding, my understanding is that of God's will, is that um, God has predestined my life yeah. from start to finish. He yeah. you knows
0: it it's laid out for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely laid out. Yeah. And it's like, you allowed this to happen like not only did you allow it to happen but like you did this like yeah. you knew all of this was going to so happen sick
0: plan all yeah. yeah and
1: i don't have a childhood i i didn't have the even like college experience of like being like the college kid yeah. like so even if i didn't have a, a a young childhood i wasn't even allowed to be a teenager like it's just all gone like my life has really been planned out for me and how i was going to play a part in protecting my sisters or whatever have you Mm -hmm. i was really 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 angry with god also kind of with my parents too like you're crappy parents for doing this not only i'm even a little bit more angrier now that i have kids because i'm like i would never do that to my kids uh and that love that i have for them is like Oh, it's, it's so fierce. It's so, I would literally stab someone in the face for my kids. Like if you grabbed my kid, you're going to get stabbed in the
0: face. And I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could probably tap into that and be like, time to stab somebody.
1: (laughs) So then eventually wrestling with God over and over. And yeah, God really calmed my soul and was like, you have a greater purpose. And through the years after I settled with that and was like, understanding that god has bigger plans for my life than i wanted them to be yeah like you just want to enjoy life you know what i mean like yolo i just want to be a kid speak for yourself
0: (laughs) i want to be like a famous person the crowd of people but that's because i'm a narcissist Um. oh okay
1: so eventually i became i just surrendered and i was like you know what all right do it do whatever whatever you're gonna do yeah and I was like, you know, I have a, I have a million life experiences. And all that does is it gives me a toolkit to relate to almost anyone. Absolutely. Almost anyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is a that is a large toolkit based on everything <laughs> I've heard today. Uh, so what would you, I guess, what would be your advice to anyone else that might be, like, whether it's kids whose parents, they know their parents are maybe struggling with addiction or even if it's just alcohol or drugs or whatever that is or anybody that might be going through one thing. One situations. thing that
1: my mom used to say that stuck with me that I've, like, really worked hard to define the opposite of, she would say, you are your mother's daughter. And over and over in my mind that would play, and it has such a negative connotation. And I think that I've done a really good job at proving that I'm not. Yeah. That who your parents are honestly don't define you like you you're in charge of your not your own destiny, but because it sounds so cliche yeah. to say, but your happiness, your peace, your joy, like it comes from you. It yeah. doesn't come from other people. As children, we're designed and wired to gain that happiness, that joy, that contentment from our parents, because that's the design. Your parents are supposed to protect you. They're supposed to love you. They're supposed to give you that happiness. Not all
0: parents do. <laughs>
1: Not all pa- like. There's a lot of sucky parents out yeah. there. I mean, like, I feel like people should now just start getting screened. <laughs> sewn up yes. you're not you do not on the list you're getting sorry. sewn up
0: <laughs> you marked six of the nine boxes and that's too many that's um too many. <laughs> sorry no kid for you
1: so it's the, i mean loving someone with addiction it's hard because i still it still makes me sad for her it makes me sad for her as a human being that she's 50 probably 55 and she's doesn't have a stability like, she still deals with her own trauma of being abused. She started doing drugs at, like, 14 years old. She started sleeping around when she was 13, 14. Yeah. Like, she's she's had a traumatic childhood. I get it. She drew, she grew up with an absent father, an alcoholic mother. Like, and I get it. got an abusive it.
0: marriage. And, yeah,
1: yeah, I get it. But at the same time, you have to own your own soul. Yeah. And you have to handle it with care. And you need to be nice to yourself, not based on your circumstances. Yeah. But loving her is... It, it is hard. I mean, she's apologized. We've had several conversations yeah. where she has literally said, you know, I apologize for being a terrible mother. I apologize for things that I've done to you specifically. And it's felt good to hear that self-realization from her. Yeah. But it's not necessarily something that I've kind of needed because I don't need you to forgive you. Yeah. I'll forgive you without you kind of asking because it's something it's for me. It's not for you. Yeah. And understanding that if that person you can't save someone that doesn't know they're drowning.
0: It's fair. And then
1: be there for them when they realize that they're drowning and keep your distance. It, it's like it's like holding your own heart in your hands, but then like giving them a hug. You know, like it's hard, it's hard to, to create boundaries with people that you really love because you want to be, you want to wrap yourself around them Absolutely. wholeheartedly, but you can't because that gives them so much ability to hurt you and bring you along for the ride.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's the biggest risk you run. Since. Yep you can get pulled down alongside yep yeah so it's a but i uh, see that's i think where a lot of people and myself included in a lot of cases struggle with that keeping that distance mm-hmm. um It's so it's like an extreme you either nope don't like you at all hate you or like i love you so much let's i'll be right there whatever you need and like enabling essentially yeah uh which you know, it's a fine line. <laughs>
1: it it is a really fine line. It's but it's creating your own boundaries. Yeah. So I'm comfortable with this. But it's also being so honest with that person that they understand your boundaries. And then there's consequences for violating those boundaries. You know, I I I asked you not to call me between the hours of such and such. The next time you do, I'm, you know, we're gonna we're shorten not, it. Yeah, or you know, I, I don't want you to come over when you're drunk. Yeah. If you do you're not going to be allowed over again so it's it's hard to be the bigger person i mean you're talking about a 19 year old talking to a 40 something year old and setting boundaries and i've had to set boundaries with they get harder and harder as i get older because i now have to protect my family and what's sacred to me but still kind of allow her to get to come in but the setting boundaries part is it's important if you want to love someone that is an addict
0: i do think uh just touching on something you said earlier too, as a parent, you're like I can't imagine ever doing anything like that to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing that you either would well, touching on another thing you said you're you're my uh, your mother's daughter. Um, I think you get to make that decision and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, how that upbringing is can impact that decision one way or the other. like my brother, for instance, is a great father. He's like, he's the opposite of my father. Um, And I think that's 100% because of who my father was. He's like, I'm not going to be that person. So like the
1: extreme. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But it does create some like fear. I mean, I don't have kids yet, but there's definitely a fear in the back of my head. Like, what if I do turn out to be like he was, you know? So yeah, overcoming that is probably, (laughs) that's a a scary thing. But I've been told once you do have kids, it's a completely different thing in your life. I don't know. It is, Yeah. but it,
1: it, you have to, you're, you're constantly dealing with your own thoughts and emotions and feelings and sorting yeah. them out. Um, and I think non-trans, like not transferring that yeah. is important and figuring out
0: having a filter. <laughs> yeah. But
1: it's like the, the emotions or the feelings of not becoming your father. Yeah. Like dealing with the idea of not becoming him shouldn't be done out of fear. It should be done out of love for your son or daughter yeah so it it's it's an interesting thing to sort out personally um i'm i know someone that has been abused by his mother and then having to still have a relationship with her because he wants her to be a grandmother Yeah. and i'm like i don't my, i wasn't physically abused i mean like yeah she held a knife to my throat did she cut me No. <laughs> who doesn't <that? laughs> <What's laughs> you haven't lived typical, star- <laughs> typical davisburg guys no this was in holly
0: okay. oh even worse even worse. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, you know
1: because the physical abuse wasn't there i'm like i don't i don't i don't know if i could do that that's a whole yeah. different dynamic well
0: yeah and p- then you have to overcome the trust issue of leaving your kids with that same person that did that to you i can't imagine i,
1: I won't i probably uh, can't yeah. leave my kids yeah. with my mom
0: oh yeah i that, i mean that's a whole other podcast <laughs> Yeah. That, that I can't imagine. Um, I, I'm sure I'll deal with that one day when I have kids, not that exact scenario, <laughs> but yeah. Leaving your children with anybody. That's frightening to me. I don't have kids. Like, how do you, how do you trust a babysitter?
1: <laughs> Lots of <Yeah>. questions.
0: <laughs> everyone is, everyone is weird when they're in a house by themselves. So I don't know how to trust right? anybody. Yeah. Themselves. But, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? i don't want to I just mean, cut you off me like all right we're done get out of here but yeah i mean that is i learned a bunch about you <laughs> some of which is is super helpful i think uh not only to myself hopefully to other people because that's I and mean, you you've overcome a lot like hopefully you give yourself the credit you deserve
1: i don't though and I that's d- really <laughs> hard is when i i talk about my history my childhood like I told you that I am going to write a book.
0: Yeah,
1: I am I, this is literally going to be happening in a week. Like putting words down, yeah. like it's going to go through a whole process. Um, I'm going to start the process of writing a book. I've been told to write a book uh, f- uh, for several years now when people hear different stories that happened to me as a kid, and knowing where I, I am now, because the the people that that meet me, Literally have this notion like she's perfect, like a l- look at her, she's absolutely perfect. She's polite, she's this, she's that. Some people have like hate me instantly. They're like she's Joan and I she won't her. swear.
0: I hate yeah. this guy. Yeah, yeah. And
1: and then I'm like my boss specifically, my boss. Okay, yeah. I've worked with this guy for three years, and he says to me one day, you'd never understand what that's like, Rebecca, because you're perfect. Like. You know, yeah. kind of sendingly, and I was People like, "People
0: have a lot of strange." And I'm like,
1: you know what? I don't think that he deserves to hear my story. Yeah. And then one that that same week, we we're we we're alone. I was closing or something, and I came to him in the office, and I said, "You know what you said the other day about me being perfect?" I said, "Let me give you a small synopsis <laughs> of my life. Uh, I've experienced two raids before I was 23 years old. Literally had like an M16 in my face and." put on the floor, um, grown up in a drug house. I've been to drug dealer's houses. I've been, uh, been in accidents that were completely caused by people that were just in a bad drug deal. I know how to handle, uh, the house being shot up. Like I remember being jumped into a gang at a very young age. And that was weird. I had a gun pulled on me in elementary school. Uh, my mother's currently in prison for doing three to five years. Uh, and Through it all, I have become the person that I am. So don't ever assume that you know my background or my life. And then, uh, you know, people that that know me but don't really know me, it's hard to say these things that are my truth because I don't ever want someone to say you're amazing because you came through this i came through this because i had to yeah. like in my mind there i have such a strong idea of right and wrong that if i were to start doing drugs which were 100% accessible to me if i were to start doing drugs and i start doing this like it's the wrong thing to do yeah. like even before i was but, saved there's always a hard wrong for me yeah
0: i mean i just and you, you just said you don't recognize this like this what you've been through the strength you have to go through that but I mean, are you able to see from another point of view of like the people that had like didn't make the decisions you made, didn't come out of that the same way? I mean, there's people that have not your exact scenario, but people have been in like scenarios where their parents did half
1: of what mine did and became terrible human beings.
0: And yeah, (laughs) like smoking weed with their mom. And now they're like addicted to whatever. And so, I, I mean, I think you might not want to give yourself that credit, but I think everyone else should give you some sort of credit (laughs) and i don't think not from i want to make sure that you understand it doesn't come from a a place of pity or anything like that it's it's a place of respect it's like
1: yeah it's it's hard to share these stories because i i don't want people to pity me or say like or give me the credit for being who i am because of what i went through like oh poor rebecca kind of thing like i feel bad for what she's been through it's like dude that's past that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, see, it, even in the moment, Mine's respect
0: passed. for the strength it takes to actually get through that because you, it's it does take a lot to get through that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, poor Becca, like, whatever, girl, you did it. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, you, it's, It takes so much strength and, and um, respect for yourself, yeah. I think, to get through that because if you don't respect yourself and when you're given all those opportunities to essentially just – completely screw your life up. Yeah. Um if you hate yourself, you're probably going to much more likely to take on all those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um and you put yourself above all that and that I like, especially at that age, it's it's completely commendable and not in a pity way and I'm right. very right. very like good for you. Yeah, I, th- give her I a think a majority no of it
1: is me trying to stay humble and realize that I don't, that There's nothing that I deserve. Like as a human being and being a Christian, you have to have some of the realization that there's nothing that you deserve. Yeah. Like, so I don't deserve like a better life than I already have. or I don't deserve like, you know what I mean? That entitlement. I am so much against that word. So I don't feel like I'm entitled to something just because of what I overcame as like in my teenage years or as as a kid or what I've been through as a kid. I don't feel like i deserve something else yeah um and and definitely i don't
0: want to give you an award or anything i just think you should acknowledge uh, that what it what it took um yeah and just and it has so much to do
1: with my faith in god too and and that being the biggest reason that i feel like i am who i am
0: yeah well i'm i'm proud of you (laughs) (laughs) well thank you um well thank you thank you for sharing all that that's that's fantastic um this is obviously a strength of yours that you can reflect very openly about all that. And so I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I got. You'll get there. I'll get there. I can't end things. I'll just cue a song. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'll edit it. But thank you. You're
1: thank very you for tuning I'm gonna take these up.
0: All right. That was an absolutely remarkable interview. Um, I had so much fun and learned so much about Becca and she really opened my eyes to a lot of things as well. Um, Some of the stories she shared were unbelievable. And, you know, she mentioned, I don't know if she talked about this during the podcast, but afterwards, you know, she said she wanted to write a book. And I mean, that is, uh, that is ripe storytelling for a life story book and just crazy stuff. And she's come out one of the most positive people I've ever met. It's just crazy. Uh, one thing we didn't get to touch on is her art. She's actually an artist. She paints. Uh, you can check out some of her pieces on Facebook. It's called Gallery Six Seven One One or Gallery Sixty Seven Eleven. I'm sure there's some significance there, um, but check that out. And it's it's really great stuff. Uh, we touched on that a little before we started recording, but really cool paintings that she does there and um just a a remarkable person and one thing we also talked about which you'll hear plenty more in future episodes is Brene Brown Um, we talked about that after we were done as well and if you haven't checked out Brene Brown's special on Netflix uh, or her TED talk on vulnerability highly recommend it Uh, it can really open your perspective on how you address things that you may feel your own shame about and I mean, that's, that's what we all have, right? These stories that we're kind of afraid to talk about, or we feel bad. Like we're going to, if we feel like we're going to be judged and so kind of creating that safe space for yourself and then finding someone else, uh, to share that space with where you can tell your story and take some of that power away from your story and take it back for yourself. So, uh, check that out too. And, uh, keep on listening. If you guys like what you hear, um, please let me know. Uh, this is turned into quite a passion project for me. And I'm really excited going forward. I've already recorded 10 interviews, um, just unbelievable stories. And you would never, you would never know the things that people have gone through unless you reach out and have that conversation. So let me know what you think and uh, keep on listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day.